Well, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. Um, I shared those words a few weeks ago as we began this uh, series in Proverbs. What do they mean? Well, they've got um, nothing to do with woodwork. What they mean is that the world is set up in a particular way. God has made this world, and if you try and cut against that, if you ignore that, then more often than not, in life, there will be difficulties. This is what human beings have been doing since the garden. The prophet Isaiah says that each one of us has turned to his own way. And so what that means is that human beings, we rush through life, all going in different kind of directions, and we keep on banging into each other. We keep on, as human beings, messing up our lives. And Proverbs shows us this. If you, we've seen this already, if you choose to sleep around, if you never work, if you steal, then the book of Proverbs will tell us that most of the time that will rebound on us. There may be exceptions, but if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. And the book of Proverbs it is designed to help us avoid all of that. God wants for each of us something so much better than that. He wants us to choose a path of wisdom. He wants us to go with the way the whole world is wired. But how does God help us to do that? If we're so prone to choosing our own path, how does God guide us along a better path. Uh, C.S. Lewis, he spent an hour a day apparently replying to, to letters. He got so many letters. If you think an hour a day applying, replying to letters is a lot, just remember he didn't have an iPhone. And lots of those letters were from children. And he once got a letter from, well, I mentioned Tim Keller this morning. His wife wrote to C.S. Lewis and got multiple replies, I believe. He once got a letter from a young girl called Joan Lancaster. And she was a really keen writer, and she was asking him for writing advice. So go to the master. And his response to her was brilliant. Listen to this. He said, C.S. Lewis wrote to this little girl, and he said, don't use adjectives which merely tell us how you want us to feel about the thing you're describing. Instead of telling us a thing was terrible, describe it so that we will be terrified. Don't say it was delightful. Make us say delightful when we've read the description. And what C.S. Lewis was doing, what he was talking about, was the difference between showing and telling. Some writing, we know this, don't we? We read it, it just leaves, just tells us things, it just gives us information and it can leave us feeling really cold. But other types of writing, it stirs up emotions, feelings in us just by reading it. And I think this passage in Proverbs, it's, it's the latter rather than the former. In this chapter, Solomon, he's trying to uh, encourage his son to walk a path of wisdom. But in order to do that, he doesn't just kind of speak to him in bullet points. 
Instead, he gives him something or rather someone a lot more attractive. He speaks to a young man about a woman, a beautiful woman, captures his son's attention. He tries to win his heart. The beauty of wisdom is personified as a woman. And so tonight, there's four things I want us to see about this woman, Lady Wisdom. Four things. Here's the first, verses 1 to 11. First thing Solomon says to his son about Lady Wisdom, verses 1 to 11, is hear her voice. Hear her voice. And we see this in the opening verse. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? As we're introduced to this woman, as we begin to listen to her and just notice where she's located, notice where it is that she cries out. Lady Wisdom cries out in public. She's in what we might call the public square on the heights. Um, At the crossroads, beside the gates, at the entrance. Um, As someone has said, this is the place where the competition to be heard is uh, the fiercest. In the place of hustle, the bustle, she lifts her voice. And this is not the main point, but it is a point. God's truth then, if we read this passage, it's not just for Sundays, is it? It's Monday to Saturday. Christianity is not some kind of privatized religion. Christianity speaks to the whole of life, the whole person, the whole world. And Lady Wisdom's public proclamation it is one of the ways she is different to another woman, the adulteress. In chapters 5 to 7, which we've jumped over, Solomon has spoken to his son about sex. Um, as a friend of mine who was preaching on the, this uh, book, he said, Solomon's not embarrassed by his son's sexuality. Solomon was willing to talk to his son about it. Parents, I think, especially fathers, are called to do that. He had told his son about God's good gift of sex. You just have to read chapter 5, verse 15 to see that. But he'd also warned his son about the danger of adultery. And everything the adulteress had said was in private. If you read those chapters later, you'll see that. She was loud And yet, when she tried to seduce, she spoke in whispers, whispers in the dark. In contrast, everything Lady Wisdom says is in public. And as she speaks, notice how she describes her hearers, the children of man, the simple, the foolish, verse 5. It's not the most flattering description, is it? And yet, this is so important for you and I to grasp. One of the things the Bible makes so clear is that you and I, we are not naturally wise. Wisdom is not something that kind of bubbles up naturally inside us. Instead, you and I, we need a voice from outside. We need revelation. And that's what we see in this chapter. Now, this is not how our culture thinks, isn't it? Lots of people have commented uh, that in the last few decades, there's been just an incredible shift. Truth is no longer viewed in our culture as a kind of 
body of facts that we should conform to. Truth is not something that is out there. Truth is something that is in me. And truth, in fact, reality itself has become something that you and I, we can kind of self-generate. And friends, I think that should make us weep. I think it should make us pray. It should make us long for God's voice, the voice of Lady Wisdom to be heard. Look at the way her words are described. They're noble, verse 6. In her lips, they utter what's right. There's nothing twisted or crooked in what she says. Verse 8, her words are precious. They're to be preferred to silver and gold. And it's just like what Jesus said, isn't it? The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, he sold everything he had, he bought it. So as Lady Wisdom speaks to us tonight, we need to listen to her voice. We should pray that others do the same too. But there's a second thing, verses 12 to 21 Solomon wants his son to, here's the second heading, see her beauty. See her beauty. He wants him to listen to her voice. Then verses 12 to 21, he wants his son to see her beauty. See, as Solomon, as he calls his son to a path of wisdom, he wants him to see all the benefits, how good that will be for him. When God calls us to a wise life, He gives us reasons to do that. And God is a loving father, isn't he? He really does want what is good for you and me. We often doubt that. Sometimes we we believe the lie of the devil that our father in heaven, he doesn't want what's best for us, but that is wrong. And as we turn to uh, 12 to 21, it's really clear if you scan down the verses that Lady Wisdom, we could put it like this, she has a great CV. Lady Wisdom has a great track record. Look first at the company she keeps. Look where she dwells. If you hang around with Lady Wisdom, you will get to know some of her other companions, prudence and discretion. Prudence is not the name of your great aunt. It was the word, wasn't it, on Gordon Brown's lips when he was um, Chancellor of the Exchequer. What prudence means is shrewdness. Solomon wants his son to be prudent, to have discretion, to be a shrewd kind of person. Now, maybe you hear that and you think, that doesn't really sound very Christian. The trouble is that you and I, as human beings, we can be very gullible. And as Christians, we often love to give people the benefit of the doubt. We want to be generous towards people, but sometimes you and I, we need to be canny people. We need to be shrewd people. God wants us to be careful. We should not believe everything we hear and see. We should have discretion, shrewdness, prudence. 
if we spend time in Lady Wisdom's company, we'll also start to realize there are things that Lady Wisdom hates. She hates pride and arrogance, the way of evil, speech that is perverted. As we listen to her, what belongs to her will start to belong to us. There are things that she has, counsel, sound wisdom, insight, strength. These are things she wants to give us. Maybe you can see why I called her beautiful. And to stay close to Lady Wisdom, to listen to her voice, it it brings other benefits too. Look at verses 15 and 16. And just look at the help she claims to offer what we might call the civil realm. Wisdom is at work behind the scenes in the civil realm. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. See, Lady Wisdom, she's saying that she is the source of all good authority and leadership. And this connects with God's common grace. When we are able to live quiet and peaceful life, when justice is done, when leaders make wise decisions in our world on our behalf, we should see that as a great gift from God. Even if those rulers don't share our faith, Lady Wisdom isn't just an influence in the civil realm. Lady Wisdom can bring material blessings as well. Riches and honor are with me, she says, verse 18. Enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. My yield and choice silver. She grants an inheritance to those who love her. She fills their treasuries. I remember a friend of mine pointing out at university that that sometimes because as Christians, we live our lives with integrity or are called to do so. Because we serve another master, because we are called to honor God in all that we do, we can sometimes, Christians can sometimes find themselves succeeding at work. Christians do sometimes get promotions. That is not always a worldly thing. That is not always something we should feel guilty about. Living wisely can mean that our lives have an order to them, a consistency to them that will sometimes lead to material blessings. It is not a mechanical thing. This is not a prosperity gospel kind of thing. It is not always this way. But the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and often God pours out blessing on our lives. Sometimes, as Christians, we find, we say, my cup is overflowing. I have so much more than I need. And when that happens, that is a gift of God, isn't it? And so if material blessings come to us, we thank God for them, don't we? And yet we also recognize there, is so, there are things that are so much more important than that, so much more important as mon- than money. Verses 19 to 21 make that so clear, don't they? Lady Wisdom's fruit is better than gold, better. 
the inheritance, the benefits Lady Wisdom wants to give us, it's greater than any kind of trust fund. And so she's beautiful. Choosing her is to choose life, Solomon's saying. He wants his son to see the beauty of wisdom. He wants his son to hear the voice of wisdom. But there's a third thing. He wants his son to know her past. Know her past. This is verses 22 to 31. As Solomon lays out Lady Wisdom before his son, he says, hear her voice, see her beauty. Here's that third heading again. Know her past, verses 22 to 31. Um, if relationships between two people are going to develop, we need to know a bit about one another's past, don't we? It's the same with Lady Wisdom. And as we come to these verses, it's worth knowing that you and I, we're entering a kind of minefield, uh, just like Lady Wisdom. These verses have got a past as well. In the first few centuries of the church, verse 22 in particular, it was really hotly debated and the word possessed, if you can see that word in verse 22, it was the main source of controversy. Some thought it should be translated created. And so they argued that this verse, it kind of pointed to the creation of God the Son. That was a heresy, a heresy called Arianism. And that heresy taught that somehow the Son was not equal with the Father. He was, if you like, the best creation that God had made. Now, that's not orthodox Christology. But tonight, I don't think getting into, right into the weeds of uh, that debate is the best way to preach this passage. If you've got questions about it, come and talk to me. Instead, what I want us to see, I want you to see the, the connection between lady wisdom and creation. First thing Lady Wisdom tells us is that she predates creation. Can you see that? In other words, God's wisdom is older than time itself. Before there was anything, verse 23 and 24, she was there. Before the mountains were formed, before the fields, before the dust, before the heavens, wisdom was present. Now, academics, they, they know that it's always the most recent scholarship, don't they, that they really need to know about if they're writing a dissertation or something like that. We can think, if I just knew what the very most important people around today thought about X, Y, or Z, then I could live a great life. But God says you can have better than that. You can know the wisdom that existed before anything was made. And when God started to make Lady Wisdom make clear that she was involved in this process, when God established the heavens, verse 27, when skies and seas were put in place, when boundaries were assigned and foundations were formed, then I was beside him, verse 30, like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, delighting in the children of man. So tonight, these verses, they affirm to us the real goodness of God's creation. They 
remind us that God views creation as a delight. It's the overflow of His love. And yet I think because we know the rest of the Bible, because we know more than Solomon, because the Bible is an unfolding revelation, you and I, we can know who these verses ultimately point to. I think it was John Stott who said that um, reading the Old Testament, it's like coming into a darkened room. And you walk into that room and you maybe bump into some furniture and you, you know there's lots of other things in the room, but you can't see it. It's all kind of shadowy. And it's a bit like reading the Old Testament. But we read the Bible, or the people in the Old Testament rather, we read the Bible from a different perspective. We walk into that room, we have the curtains pulled back a little bit and the light comes in. And so what I think we can say is that Lady Wisdom, she points to Christ. Lady Wisdom is a type of Christ. Um, Andy preached on uh, the story of Joseph a little while ago. Joseph is like that. He is a type of Christ. David is a type of Christ. Lady Wisdom here is a type of Christ. Listen to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John's talking about Jesus, the Son. All things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Or listen to Paul and listen to the passage that the Prime Minister read at the coronation. Colossians 1. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. There is no other God hiding behind Jesus. He is the one who reveals the Father. Whoever has seen me, Jesus says, has seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, you need to look at him. Paul goes on, for by him all things were created, by Jesus, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him and for him. And so when you and I listen to Solomon, when we listen to Lady Wisdom, the one we are really listening to is the one who is greater than Solomon. Because Jesus, we know from the New Testament, he is not just the source of our redemption. He is the agent. He is the creator of all things. All of it belongs to him. He owns the title deeds to the universe. He looks at the whole universe, as someone has said, and not a square inch of it doesn't belong to him. He says, mine. That's mine. And so these verses challenge us if we uh, have a small view of him tonight, if we've not yet trusted him. They remind us that the whole of creation is his. They remind us that it's folly to ignore his voice. And I think we see this in our final section. As Solomon, as he calls us to choose Lady Wisdom, as he calls us to choose life, as he says, listen to her voice, see her beauty, know her past. 
he also says, grasp your future. Grasp your future, verses 32 to 36. Grasp your future. I, as uh, we close looking at these verses, I, when I first looked at them, I couldn't help thinking of the end of uh, Deuteronomy. If you know Deuteronomy about chapter 30, um, God's people, they're on the brink of a wonderful future. They've been rescued from slavery. They've been taken out of Egypt. They've been wandering the, in the desert. They're almost ready to cross the Jordan, and Moses is preparing them for what's coming. And he reminds them of God's covenant, and he says, this day I call the heavens and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Choose life. I think those two words, that's the whole chapter in two words. Because in verses 32 and 33, this language of blessing is used, isn't it? Blessed are those who keep my ways. Blessed is the one who listens to me. And in the final two verses, the stakes, they could not be higher, could they? This is a, this is a life or death choice. Whoever finds me, that is Lady Wisdom, finds life. All who hate me love death. And to turn from God's revealed path of wisdom, it is to choose a path that leads to death. You and I, we should never think we can live in this world and ignore forever the voice of the person who made this world. We should never think that living a foolish life, what the Bible says is a foolish life, will somehow, despite what God says, somehow just lead to joy in the future and happiness. If you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters, and one day you will have to give an account. And if God has made this world in wisdom, it is absolute folly to cut against that wisdom. That's what Solomon is saying here. Maybe tonight you've never listened to Jesus. You've never heard the voice of the one who has the words of eternal life. Well, tonight is the night to listen. Today is the day to open your ears. Everyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the day to ask and seek and find in Jesus God's true wisdom. If you do that, you discover a treasure that is greater than any other. You have the treasure of eternal life. Now, I think tonight in this room, most of us have that treasure already, don't we? And yet, it's so easy to think, am I really on the right path? Maybe it's sin, maybe it's suffering, maybe it's being let down by other people. We ask that question. Or maybe it's just that so often to the world around us, God's wisdom it just looks so foolish, doesn't it? It just looks so weak. And yet you and I, we need to understand that it is like that for a reason. Listen to Paul. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. 
But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Jesus is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God did all that so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And so, friends, choose life. Choose life. Someone who did that was a lady called Rosaria Butterfield. She was a a really active member of the LGBTQ community. She was a professor at a, a top American university. She taught English. And I don't have time tonight to go into all the details of her story, but it's told in an amazing book called The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. And for many years, this woman, she hated Christians. She hated everything Christians stood for. And it was the kindness of one couple. It was one invitation to dinner, which was the beginning of a journey towards Christ. It was not pretty. She describes her conversion as a train wreck because becoming a Christian, it turned her whole life upside down. There was so much for her to work through. And yet she found in what she once had thought was foolish, true wisdom. And may you, may all of us tonight, may we find that wisdom too. May we choose life and find in Jesus, the one greater than Solomon, the only wisdom, the only word that will last. Well, let's pray together.